Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Haley. Hi. We are back and we're back with another, I, I don't want to say kids movie because Pixar makes kids movies that are sneakily for adults. I know, lots of deep messages and thought processes. <laughs> yes, so we're going deep today on... Pixar's Soul, released last year, straight to Disney Plus. Um, but before we do that, let's you know check in with each other. Um, Haley, how are you doing? Any any thoughts, questions before we jump into today's episode? Well, as I was watching today's movie Soul, I was thinking about like the small little pleasures in life. So mm-hmm. for our like check in question this week, I thought a fun question would be: What is something that like in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter, but you just really love it. Like it's a teeny little spark for you. Yeah. So this is a, it's a great question and it's, it's made my mind spin because there are, it feels like there are so many little things I've talked about my mm-hmm. animals on the show and I've talked about, you know, basketball and stuff, but I feel like, <laughs> um, my daughter does a million different little things like this. And it, you know, the stuff that really, even if it's annoying, it's like, I'll always show up for that. And one of the things mm-hmm. is she loves uh, jokes, as do I. I'm an, I'm an I, can I say aspiring stand-up comedian? I, I had goals to go do a stand-up set and then the pandemic hit. Same. I did manage to do one stand-up set on Zoom, which was uh-huh. weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so I'm obviously uh, thrilled that she also likes jokes, uh-huh. but she hasn't really figured out like what it is that makes a joke funny yet. Uh Um, Like sometimes it's just the way you say the word on the punchline. And then that makes her laugh. You could literally say anything. And she's just starting to get like punny type jokes and knock, knock jokes and things like that. But right now she's stuck on basically the trope of why did the X cross the X? Like why Uh did the chicken cross the road? Why did, um, and every night, so we we read several books, and then before I'm allowed to leave her room, I have to tell her two jokes, and then she tells me two jokes. And invariably, I come up with, like, really punny, dumb jokes that I uh-huh. think are funny, and she just kind of rolls her eyes, like, you know, what's a dog's favorite part of the house? The roof, uh-huh. right? <laughs> um, and, and then she, okay, dad. And then her jokes are basically this format. She steals one part of my joke and she'll say, <laughs> why did the dog cross the road? And I'll say, why? And she'll say, to get to the other side of the boat. And like, <laughs> she cracks herself up and that that joke doesn't mean anything you're not missing anything out she just changes the word road to a word that doesn't exist and rhymes with road or rhymes with dog and she cracks herself up and i can't help but laugh also even though i 
very confused most of the time. <laughs> so I, I live for those moments every night. That that gives me a that's, spark. Uh, that's yeah. so fun. Well, I mean, the first part of, you know, writing comedy is understanding the structure of a joke. So she's getting that down. She just she needs is. to fill in the details better. <laughs> that's right. She eventually, I think she'll get there. Um, and oh, she absolutely. is, uh, she is funny. Like, I don't know where kids pick up like phrases. Maybe it's just uh -huh. watching TV or listening to adults talk, but she comes up with phrases that like it's every week. It's like, where did you hear that? Uh -huh. Where did you learn that? So I'm so always cute. a yeah. sucker for like little word things. Yeah. I taught preschool for a while and boy, the okay. stories were so fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I am a huge fan of the, like, little moment sparks. So there's, like, a lot of really, like, stupid things that I like. Like, I love when the clock says 1234. And I love, like, um, railroad crossing lights at night. Mm. But I think the one that the one that really, like, when I think about it, really, like, stops my heart interestingly enough stops my heart for a second is that feeling when you're at a concert and the beat of the music like changes the beat of your heart for a second um like kind of resets the beat of your heart that like whole feeling you can like feel it in your whole body probably my favorite feeling in the whole mm. entire world you know and then when people ask the like would you rather have hearing or sight question and i like struggle with sure. that because i love okay. music so much mm -hmm. but because of that feeling it almost makes me want to keep my sight because then i can hopefully find a way to like use the vibration of music to experience it if i don't have the sound sure yeah but yeah that's hmm. that's a little a little thing that in the grand scheme of things does not matter but it's moment changing for me so are you also a person who would like take a picture of a of a unique odometer reading like you know one one thousand two hundred and thirty four miles so i would not take a picture of it but i would be okay look i would it, definitely it would give you a like, little notice yes. it and appreciate yes. it and then maybe send like maybe if i took a picture of it i'd like send it to my brother and be like look yeah, at this exactly. silly mathematical thing yeah, yeah i'm yes. not a <laughs> It's just for you. No, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. 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 I was about to say, like, I'm not one of those people that would, like, post it on social media, but I post stories on Instagram constantly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the, like, when numbers do fun things. Um, like, mm -hmm. obviously, I also like the 11-11 make-a-wish kind of thing. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's nice. It's 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 those little moments, the things that we like noticing, right? That mm -hmm. yeah, we feel like we're present for that little bit of a moment. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I imagine we'll have some similar things to talk to uh, talk about when it comes to soul. So why don't we jump mm -hmm. right into that after a quick break? talking about mental health these days. But what about severe mental illness? It's more common than you might think. Did you know that one in 100 people lives with schizophrenia? That's why the BC Schizophrenia Society has launched a brand new podcast called Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined. 
Host Phaedra Aldridge talks to doctors, families, and people with lived experience about how to recognize mental illness and the specific treatments that can help. Check it out. They'll really challenge you to look again at what you think you know about mental illness. You can find them on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Soul is a 2020 American computer-animated fantasy comedy drama film produced by Pixar Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. Directed by Pete Docter and co-directed by Kemp Powers, the film stars the voices of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, and others. And the story follows a middle school music teacher named Joe Gardner, who seeks to reunite his soul and his body after they are accidentally separated just before his big break as a jazz musician. Soul is the first Pixar film to feature an African-American protagonist. And right before we start uh, the episode, we also mentioned that Pete Docter began developing the film, working from his contemplations on the origins of human personalities and the concept of determinism. Right where all good children animated movies should come from. <laughs> Concept of determinism, right? Well, and we said, you know, in the in the lead up to the episode, Pixar does this, right? They, mm-hmm. um, and Pete Doctor in particular, who is also responsible, I believe, for Inside Out and at least one or two other Pixar movies, where they take a concept like your human emotions or your brain or where mm-hmm. do our fears come from and Monster, Inc., and or in this case where does your soul come from and they sort of exploded out into metaphor and uh story in a way that's very relatable oftentimes very sad mm-hmm. but it really makes you think and this one certainly did for me so before you jump into it before you jump into it one of my favorite kind of jokes on the internet is how pixar is like what if toys had feelings and then they were like what if bugs had feelings? And then what if cars had feelings? What if feelings had feelings? And now they're like, what if souls had feelings? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know how much deeper they can go on that. Yeah. I know. I yeah. thought once feelings had feelings, that was about as deep as you could go. But then they went with the soul. <laughs> uh, soul. Yes. Yeah, so, right. So who knows, you know, to what metaphysical level they can go next. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, so we start off with this. Um, just really lovely story. This character, Joe Gardner, he's a, mm-hmm. a middle school band teacher, which brought me right back to middle school band. I was not a trombone trombonist, mm-hmm. like the uh, student that Joe recognizes has a passion mm-hmm. for music. But I was a trumpet player and just watching some of those scenes with like the terrible music. But the teacher who's like oh, so God. into it and you just kind of feel bad for them. I definitely did. I was like, oh, man, this guy, like, this is not what he wants to be doing. And sure enough, you see, he kind of gets into the zone. And and we learn more and more about what Joe Gardner really secretly wants to do. And that's to be Mm -hmm. a famous jazz musician. Yeah. Right. He wants to get lost in it. That's that's his favorite place to be. Yeah. And this idea of what to do with um, your love of something if it doesn't look exactly the way you want it to look. 
Mm-hmm. Right, because he has this this secret dream of becoming a jazz musician, and kind of no one really thinks he can do it outside of himself. Um, we meet his mother. Um, you know, he talks about jazz to literally everyone he interacts with in the course of the movie, uh-huh. at least at first. And everyone just kind of rolls their eyes like, okay, Joe, you know, good luck with that. And, you know, it's funny because, and and obviously we, we go on to meet other characters who have different relationships with their passion or lack thereof. But Joe is, is a interesting character from a mental health standpoint because he's not necessarily someone on the surface who you would think like, oh, is this someone who needs therapy or would benefit from therapy? Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily, but speaking for myself, I've definitely worked with people who are just sort of, you know, not exactly where they want to be yeah. in life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's not always a diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then when you see the scenes of his life, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, he kind of just goes to the diner and then goes to work and then goes home and then kind of just lives life without much pizzazz in his pursuit of this dream. Right. He's he's so engaged with the thing that he wants, um, sort mm-hmm. of like blinders on of his solitary mm-hmm. pursuit that he doesn't have a lot of engagement outside of it. Right. He He doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of friends uh we sort of hear about this woman lisa that maybe he's interested in we never meet her as far as i can tell and and he is at least on the face of it he does seem kind of lonely you know i could imagine someone like joe coming into my office and just sort of being like yeah i don't know i'm just sort of you know not where i want to be at in life and Mm -hmm. you know that's a very uh relatable place to be yeah feeling kind of stuck i think i have this conversation frequently with my patients. And um, again, it comes down to the fact that I am a values-based therapist, but this idea of goal versus value, and don't get me wrong, like I love goals and I think they give us something concrete to work towards. However, a goal, like being a famous jazz musician, that you either have it or you don't. So all the meaning of that lies in achieving it. So if you don't achieve it, it essentially doesn't have meaning because there's a singular aim. Whereas on the other side of things, there's value. And the thing about value is doing something simply because it matters. And so if you are working in the direction of playing jazz music, you can do that whether you're a music teacher or someone playing in your living room or playing on the stage in front of people. All of those fill the direction of playing jazz music. If you are, I want to be a jazz musician, a famous jazz musician, right? And that's the sole focus of your movement. You either achieve that or you don't. And so the meaning lies in the achievement of it. So then if you fall short of it, oftentimes all the choices you make leading up to it feel meaningless. And we kind of see that with Joe when we're looking back on those scenes of his life is he wants this dream so much and he puts so much of himself into it, which is like beautiful and wonderful. However, it kind of shows that it's meaningless until that moment where Dorothea Williams offers him a gig. And even then later on in the movie, when he gets it, he's kind of like, oh, this, this, this is it. 
And I would work with somebody to be like, can we remember the value of the playing the music Yeah. rather than putting so much pressure on the achievement of this thing that you think will feel a certain way or will be a certain way? Yeah, I rambled a lot there. What did you hear me say? <laughs> well, yeah. So, and, and I think the thing that's interesting, and I wonder for Joe, you know, if we had Joe in our office, where that changed is, you know, of course, like any good Disney movie, a parent is missing. Now, Joe is at least an adult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's not a child with a, a lost parent. But uh, nonetheless, he had lost his father at some point during his, it seems like, young adulthood. And, you know, certainly Joe and his father had a connection through jazz and playing the piano. Mm -hmm. And it seems like when you were reliving Joe, some of Joe's memories, that that was pure passion. I love sharing this mm -hmm. experience with my dad. Um, I love playing the piano. And then it goes from that to it becomes this thing that he has to do. He's driven to do it, but to achieve something specific with it, to your point. But it no longer has the sort of same sense of connection with people, it feels like. Mm -hmm. You know, even his student who helps him kind of get this gig with, uh, with Dorothy, right? Dorothy, Gail? Dorothea. Dorothea. You know, it's it's sort of this like, oh, that's right. You were my you were my student. You know, thanks for thinking of me. And there's definitely opportunities for connection with these people and, and similarly with the barber. And it's like Joe's not present for these connections with these people. Uh -huh. It's all in the pursuit of the next thing, the next gig, uh -huh. the final opportunity to get what he thinks he wants. And I think what we learned through the course of this movie about is that what he thinks he wants from jazz and what jazz actually gives him are two very different things. At least mm -hmm. they end up being two different things. And then I think they are end up being aligned is that what he actually wants to do is to live. And, and, okay. <laughs> and in those moments of living is connecting with his barber, connecting with his students, connecting with his mom, you know, remembering yep. his dad. And if that happens through jazz, great. It also can happen through teaching. It also can happen through playing on his own or with his mom. And it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be, to your point, a goal. It can just be a thing that kind of helps him live in, in a yeah. bigger picture sense. Yeah. I think that point that you just mentioned now of reconnecting with others. And what's interesting is the moments when he connects most with others is when he's the cat Very true. <laughs> and yeah. um, 22 has to connect. His body is, is connecting. Yeah. 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 So when the mom is made, when his mom is making him the suit, he is watching it as the cat, but watching that moment with such love and, and connection and the the moment in the barber shop where they're not so focused on jazz the um barber says like this is the first time i felt connected to you because that you asked right that you asked about yeah. my life yeah yeah and that connection when he takes us in this case like a literal step back from himself mm -hmm. what we in act would call diffusion right like stepping back from sure and looking at your life rather than looking from your life and those are like really meaningful moments i was thinking what was interesting is that they allude when he's in the like the zone and they say how when people become obsessed with this they become a lost soul mm -hmm. and it's interesting that they never allude to him being a lost soul within the, that zone place, but the way that they portray how centrally focused he has become on jazz, you would think that he 
potentially could have been like that. For sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the zone a little bit because it's a it's mm-hmm. a topic that fascinates me, you know, because we could call it, you know, uh, full engagement. We could call it mindfulness, you know, mm-hmm. presence of mind, presence of the moment mm-hmm. in the in the movie. They're sort of presenting it as like these moments when you're so kind of locked in to whatever activity mm-hmm. you're doing, whether it's Moonwind spinning his sign <laughs> or Joe playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Or twenty-two, <laughs> mockingly uh, messing with a Knicks player um, who was previously in the zone until she was able to knock him out of it, which I think is like a just a great concept for a joke. <laughs> I read about athletes being in the zone. Um, I read about writers and other types of creatives being in the zone. I struggle with this concept because, and maybe yeah. it's because I struggle with focus or attention in general. I've never quite mm-hmm. been able to like hold meditation states for very long uh-huh. that this concept always kind of felt a little fuzzy to me. Like, is it mm-hmm. a real thing or is it a thing that we kind of mm-hmm. convince ourselves is real when we want to? Mm-hmm. And yet when I play certain sports where I don't stop moving, I can definitely attest to the sense of like, I am fully engaged in this activity and nothing mm-hmm. else is on my mind. So maybe that's what the zone is. I don't know what what you thought about that representation. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. What I really liked about it was the first three people that kind of describe where they're located. They're in literally like, I'm doing a prayer at this place and I'm doing a meditation in Tibet and I'm doing something in Berkeley, California. That was really funny. Yes. But basically it was a very intense focus on meditation And I was like, oh, darn it. Like, I hate this idea that meditation is the only form of mindfulness because that's simply not true. And then they throw Moonwind in and he's like, no, I'm flipping a sign. And I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because it shows any activity that you become so focused on the details of that activity that the details of other activities or other things like time or space or things like that kind of disappear. That's mindfulness. And I know for a fact that it's true because I experience it when snowboarding by myself. If I'm snowboarding with friends, I don't experience Mm -hmm. it as much because I'm more focused on like, where are they? Where are we going? Are we at the same pace? Are we going the same place? When it's just me snowboarding by myself, it's the sound of the board on the snow and how I get around the moguls and the powder and all that stuff. I really feel all those pieces of it. And sometimes when I explain that, particularly to teenagers, they go like, oh, that's how I am with video games. And that's always where I want to pause people Mm. is there is a difference between mindfulness and mindlessness, right? So the in the zone and zone out, I think are two different things. So in the zone is being super focused on every detail of the activity that you're doing. Zoning out is not being focused on any of the details of anything. So you would argue that playing video games is closer to mindlessness? Uh, For most people. I definitely think there are certain people where for them it is a mindful activity. However, I think oftentimes you'll say like, yeah, what's something where like you forget about time because you're so focused Mm -hmm. and teenagers will often say like playing video games. And I'm like... I don't know. Like, I think oftentimes teenagers 
zone out when they're playing video games because they're so like good at them and so natural at them that they actually right. aren't thinking about it. So I think that's the mm-hmm. difference is are you thinking about every detail of this or because you're so natural at it, you're not thinking about any of it and you're zoning out. Right. And I guess part of it is also what is the desire for the activity, right? Because Joe, I think pretty explicitly says, you know, he gets in, he, he almost unintentionally gets into the zone mm-hmm. where he's so in love with the music and so that he's not even thinking about playing. It's just sort of coming from him in this really uh, pure way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, if we're sort of comparing it to something that's sort of mindless, it's like, yeah, I can do this automatically and, and sort of turn my brain off, but that doesn't mean that I'm engaged in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there's sort of something that, that else that could be happening. Yeah. I think the way that it happens to Joe and Moonwind is very, um, it appears to me, very mindful, very in the zone rather than zone out, right? Because they both feel so like attached to the activity. Right. And maybe the zoning out thing that we're talking about is sort of closer to the lost souls that we end up seeing. Right. And the scene uh-huh. that I that I love from this is Moonwind sort of helps rescue some of these lost the souls. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And the, the one that he takes, the, the first one that they save is uh, just sort of like stuck in trading uh, stocks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, make a trade, make a trade, make a trade. And you, you, then they, they zoom in on him when he kind of comes out of this trance and he's like, what am I doing? And I think that's kind of what I hear you referring to. It's like uh-huh. so locked into the thing, but not in a good way, not in a I'm loving this way, more of a like my brain is off and I'm just doing this because this is what I, this is what I do. Yeah, that's how it feels to me. And I think it's an important distinction because I do think people become very protective and or even defensive as this Wall Street trader might of like, are you actually enjoying this? Like, is this good for you? He might uh-huh. say, yes, I love it. But it's in these states of like, I mean, at least when we see the lost soul on, the, on this sort of side of this uh I forget what they call it, right? The plane, the temporal plane or whatever they call it, uh-huh. that it's the, the soul is suffering, <laughs> right? And yeah. and you kind of wonder about the degree to which people's quote unquote passions are actually serving them. And I think that oftentimes things that this, the word that they use in the movie is the spark, right? The things that spark yes. you, if you don't, check in with yourself about them and and if you don't do it intentionally enough and don't pay enough attention to your choices that spark can turn into mindlessness and i think that that joe maybe is on like the borderline of that right which is absolutely he's close yeah he's like so focused on the goal that he forgets to check in about the value of playing music and so like when he's engaging in it in class and stuff like that that it's kind of like at half pace and then every so often he like kind of reminds himself and gets caught back up in it again and I think if he could look at those moments with intention and be like oh this zone is is what I love oh right I get into this zone because the music means so much to me I think that would add 
spark into his whole life rather than him kind of placing the spark at the top of the being a famous jazz musician and thinking when yeah. I get there, then I will feel sparked. Yes. And instead realizing like, no, your spark is playing. It's not being mm -hmm. a jazz musician. It's playing. It's play. Yes. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, I love that point. That's what I try to get my patients to recognize is like, mm -hmm. you know, there's my, my dissertation was on chronic pain post-surgical, chronic post-surgical pain. And it was with a kid who had chest surgery and he wanted to be a famous boxer. Mm. And when you've had reconstructive chest surgery, pretty hard to get punched in the ribs. <laughs> yeah. And he and I had to figure out, is your love of boxing only at being a professional boxer or is your love of boxing about boxing? Yeah. And if you were to read my dissertation, and I don't suggest you do it, but if you were, <laughs> you would find that as he and I work together from an act-based perspective, he finally realized, no, I box because I love boxing. And if I get to be a yeah. professional boxer, that'll be amazing and I'll be so happy. However, like the only reason I want that is because boxing is my spark. Yeah, and I think this is this is a really interesting conversation also as it relates to hobby passion versus job passion right mm -hmm. because we sort of see it with with joe a little bit as well and this is something i can relate to as well I, i've you know dabbled in different creative pursuits but anytime yeah. i've tried to turn that pursuit into like oh maybe i'll open up an etsy shop and sell this kind of thing uh -huh. that i like to make it immediately yep. is gone and i'm like nope mm -hmm. don't want to do that anymore yep because i think it loses something when when the goal becomes the objective rather than the creation or the 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 mm -hmm. spark thing right the enjoyment of yeah. the creation all of a sudden becomes like something you're doing for money or something you're doing because your friend wants you to do that thing that you showed them you could do yeah 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 i have a huge soapbox about this idea of okay passion. great yes and because this is something that 22 struggles with and why at least initially we think 22 can't go to earth yeah, right. Exactly. Like this is going to lead exactly into my soapbox. This idea, and I think it's a Western idea. I also think it's a largely American idea Sure. that you need to have a passion and that passion needs to be your job. Because if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. Or like, do you have a passion? You should turn that into a small business. <laughs> yes. And I like, I think that's beautiful. And if you can manage that, right? Like if you love acting and you can become a famous Hollywood actor and turn that into a lucrative career, by all means, do it. Some comedians I adore talk about how they just couldn't do anything else. It's this is what they want to do. And I think that's wonderful. However, I don't think every accountant is passionate about accounting. And I don't think every, you know, real estate agent is passionate about real estate. Now, I also will frequently say to my patients, um, your job doesn't have to be your passion, but don't let it be your poison. So I think that's a key piece to hang on to here is if you are in a job that is poisoning you and poisoning your soul, get out, find a different job. But let me get back to the the soapbox. <laughs> this idea Please. of a, a passion turning it into a job, I think is is kind of what holds Joe back 
from engaging in his life in a meaningful way. And I think it's what holds 22 from engaging in life at all, right? Which is this, for Joe, it's, oh, I have this purpose and this is the only thing that gives my life meaning. And therefore it has to be my career, right? And it has to look a certain way. And for 22, it's, I don't know what my passion is. And so I'll just not do anything at all. And I won't even try to live. Yeah. Yeah. The, both of those lead to them both being stuck in different ways and being unfulfilled and unhappy in many ways. I am very passionate about Ultimate Frisbee. I'm also very passionate about San Jose Sharks hockey. I'm not turning either of those into a career. Like I, I once looked into what it would be like to be a psychologist for the Sharks hockey team. I don't have the credentials. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so like for me, recognizing like my spark moments are seeing a clock read 1234 and watching a Sharks hockey game and playing ultimate Frisbee. Those are the things that give my life passion and fulfillment. I'm never going to in a million years be able to turn those into a career. It's just not going to happen for me. Does that make them less meaningful? No. And and I think this idea that right. your passion has to be your job holds people back in the same way that Joe and 22 are held back in this movie. Yeah, this sort of how you define like what purpose is, right? Yeah. And I think there there's even the quote at the end when Joe is basically trying to rescue 22 from do we say her? Those are the pronouns they use. Yeah, they say her. Yes. Uh, her sort of negative self-talk, which, by the way, um, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves slightly, but I have to talk about this scene, the scene when 22 is a lost soul and Uh is berating herself with the negative words that Joe used against her. Yeah. Was just a beautiful, I hate to say beautiful, but a a incredible encapsulation of what sometimes happens, not just for Mm -hmm. kids, but people is like, we get these messages of of who we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to do. And when that clashes with, you know, our, our concept of self, you know, then we end up essentially carrying on that negative voice as our voice. So 22 was talking mm-hmm. to herself through all the negative words that Joe used against her early in the movie. And Joe essentially yeah. has to rescue her from his own voice. Mm-hmm. Wow. First of all, but yeah. also, you know, when he finally gets through to her and is like, you know, the, the spark is not, I want to, I want to get the quote exactly right, but the spark is not your reason for living. Hold on. I'm going to find it. A spark isn't a soul's purpose. It's just a Mm -hmm. sign that they're ready to live life, right? That they're ready, ready Mm -hmm. to sort of engage. It's a starting point. So to your point, it doesn't have to be the end point. It doesn't have to be the goal. It doesn't have to be, you become a jazz musician. It can just be, this is the thing that gives me life, that lets me start, lets me engage, lets me live in in a powerful way. Yeah. This just makes my question at the beginning so much more meaningful. Like yes, it does. basically what, what we spoke about, and it, it was not that intentional, but what we spoke about were what are these small moments that are pointless, but they make you feel alive, right? Like that's essentially mm-hmm. what I asked. And those are little sparks. Those are, yes. those are the moments that give life purpose. My favorite scene, um, and it has been popping back in my head 
the whole time we've been talking and it's an intentionally it intentionally sticks out is the scene where the seed falls from the tree and 22 watches it i love that scene because those seeds in particular are so cool as a woman in her 30s whenever i see those fall i'm always like oh my god that's so cool <laughs> yeah and now's the time for it they're falling now <laughs> yeah and they it's like one of those small little beauties of life. Yeah. But I know I stop and I watch them when I see them yeah. fall the same way that I stop and I watch the railroad crossing lights at night. And recognizing that life doesn't have to be this one big purpose, right? That capital P mm -hmm. purpose. Even one of the like, J Jerry, I think was the name that they all had, like the the ambiguously shaped light characters there's jerry and there's terry yeah <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> got it one of them had a line that just said oh you and your you humans and your obsession with purpose and then walked away mm -hmm. that was the whole line yep. and yep. i was like no say more say more <laughs> yeah 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 please blow up this notion yeah yeah but i agree right there's this obsession like you kind of said you get a lot of people in your office who are just kind of like i'm not necessarily depressed and I'm not necessarily anxious and I'm not necessarily anything. I just kind of feel stuck. Yeah. And I think that's like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do or I'm not doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're looking for an ocean while without recognizing that we're in the water, right? That line from the yes. movie, honey, honey, you're where, in it. She says, yeah, yeah, this is water. What I want is the ocean and recognizing like, what if you start finding the value in the choices that you're making rather yeah. than thinking that the meaning is going to come from some specific outcome or some specific yep. goal? Yeah. And this is, this, it brought up a lot of uh, sort of parallels for me with people that I've been working with in the pandemic specifically, because people have been mm -hmm. stuck inside their homes or their apartments and, you know, not able to do the things that normally give them a spark probably in many cases, and I yep. can't tell you how many times I've, I've had to ask people, you know, have you, when was the last time you went outside? You know, when was the last yep. time you went for a walk? When was the last time you went for a drive? Because some of these things happen when we're just out living, as Joe yes. would say, is, is yeah. and, and those things are really important. And obviously we need to take appropriate precautions during a pandemic, yeah. but we also need to not, you know, I hate to say turn into lost souls, but like if we're stuck inside all day, that's what it's eventually going to be. Even if we're not mm -hmm. obsessed with something, it's maybe it's obsessed with, you know, uh, uh, safety, right? Or obsessed with mm -hmm. security. And it's like, okay, there, there are appropriate risks that we can take to make sure that we are still taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And I think being really intentional about the things that we are doing, like you, you said, like, when did you last go for a drive? When did you last go outside? A similar question would be if I asked you, like, when was the last time you listened to your daughter laugh, right? Oh, my and, gosh, yeah. And your answer would be like, well, probably today. And then I would say like, no, no, no. When was the last time you, like, listened to her laugh? Like, and, tuned into it, yeah. Yeah, and like, of course we don't, right? We are humans that mm -hmm. live 24 hours a day and five to eight of those were sleeping, right? Yep. Um, five to 12 of them <laughs> were sleeping. and. And the rest of them were kind of just getting through them, which is fine. And that's totally natural. But I think I like my patients probably are sick of hearing the word intentionality, but like <laughs> just 
once a day, do something with intention, right? Listen to your daughter's laugh with intention or cut the tomato that you're cutting for dinner with intention. I think those moments make us realize like how cool life is. Yeah. And we see it when Joe is watching his own body live with 22 inside of it, right? Uh 22 experiences pizza intentionally, right? For the first time, really. Yes. 22, you know, lies on the the subway grate and feels the warm air blow through her skin Uh and clothes, you know, getting a haircut, all these sorts of experiences that, you know, and it's a cliche, but we do kind of take for granted that these things exist and these things are available to us, you know, and it's like, it is very cliche to say, well, stop and watch the seeds fall from the tree. But there is those sort of like magical small moments happening all Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. And it takes intentionality, to your point, to, to enjoy them again. And, and it reminds me of one of my favorite, and maybe we've talked about this um, sort of exercise before, you know, like the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 method, or you see different variations uh-huh. of this, where it's basically like tuning into your environment. You know, five yeah. things that you see, name four things you can hear, name four things you can feel physically, you can touch, um, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. And, and that's the sort of thing that 22 is doing for the first time yeah. and why... 22 is feeling so alive and so happy about being alive for the first time. Down to experiencing walking. Yes. Right? And Joe's response is, no, that's just stuff we do. And it doesn't have to be. That's just living. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have to be. I'm having a moment of like intense gratitude for my mom right now. Hmm. In fourth grade, um, I used to live walking distance from school. And so we would walk to school in the morning. And every single morning, my mom would make me stop at this one fence and smell the roses or, mm. or suck honeysuckle. Yep. And I would be like, mom. And she'd be like, always take time to stop and smell the roses. And I'd be like, mom, let's go. And she'd be like, just smell them quickly. She's like, just smell them. And as you were talking about that, I you know, I'm just like had an intense moment of like at such a young age, my mom taking a, you know, a literal saying of stop and smell the roses or a figurative saying and making it literal, but kind of teaching me intentionality um, and appreciating the little things. And I was so focused on like getting to school because friends were there or I wanted to get to class or whatever. Um, And my mom being like, Hey, it's going to take you five seconds. So if you're listening to this mom, thank you. <laughs> what a cool, I don't know, what a cool moment of gratitude I just had, all warm and fuzzy inside. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny because you asked me the this question, you know, what are the little sparks? And one of the things that crossed my mind that I didn't share was, you know, there's something about the beach for me my whole life that mm-hmm. where I, I definitely have this sort of experience where I can close my eyes and I can smell the salt water and feel the warm air and feel the sand on my toes and you know and there's a if if you've been trained in emdr you're trained to do to do this sort of like safe space exercise where you to the fullest extent of your senses like place yourself in a safe place and when i was doing the training they have you do this and every time i was on the beach because this was like the most vivid experience that I could sort of recall. And I think the thing that changes for us a little bit, especially as we become adults, especially as we become parents, is that for parents out there, it's like, where well, you don't really get to just sit and be on the beach as much as you are then responsible Uh for 
the little child running around or if you take your dog to the to the beach you're you're so it's like the stopping and smelling the roses and stopping and and you know feeling your feet in the sand is a little bit harder as we get older mm-hmm. and we i think can forget the value that this gives us that we more naturally experience as kids mm-hmm. but yeah. now as I'm, I'm as i'm saying this it's like i want to become even more protective of this moment it's like hey uh, dad needs a couple minutes or, you know, like yeah. it, it becomes important for you, you to be able to say, I'm going for a walk by myself uh-huh. or I, you know, need to lie down and do yeah. nothing um, and whatever it is. And just to, yeah. to really protect that experience for yourself, I think goes so far. And also, I think there's we kind of have this black and white thinking of like either we are. Yes not thinking about it or we're completely separate on our own experiencing the beach. But there is this middle ground of like, can you be really intentional about noticing your daughter going, dad, 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 for sure. (laughs) Right. And, and in that moment, notice like how cool it is to have a human calling you dad. Right. And like how cool it is to be on the beach with this human at that moment. And I think, that's actually what I really like about this movie is 22 notices all the things that seem like just everyday stuff to us, like walking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling really insightful. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and I think, I think that's why I like this movie is that it, cause it does really make you think these really big things yeah. and, you know, and we haven't even really gotten into the whole like, world that the the movie invented about where the souls come from and when then where the souls go to and it's like that's entering into some really big questions and big picture stuff about you know well what do we think really happens and and you know this is a sort of very i want to say like generic and broad way to interpret Uh it that doesn't doesn't exclude any belief and also doesn't force any belief i think on on people as far as um you know, one interpretation. Yeah. And I think beyond the, the idea of having a soul, that's right. Specific right. So the, the soul is yeah. like the, the specific assertion and yeah. then everything else mm-hmm. is like, yeah, no, this, this belief system could be incorporated in a lot of different ways. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Because the souls essentially just kind of go off into uh, yeah. their, their energy reconnects with the universe or with the, you know, and uh-huh. I think, and that broad statement could be incorporated in a lot of different directions and interpreted in a lot of different ways. So I think that's kind of nice because it is hard to portray a specific uh, spiritual belief or even religious belief in a way that's very accessible. And I think this movie mm-hmm. does a pretty good job of that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, they, they do ask big questions and make make big assertions while not, I think, pushing anyone away from you know, going along with the themes of the movie. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. When you brought it up, I was like, oh, of course there's religious undertones or spiritual undertones. And like, to me, it hadn't even occurred to me, but like, obviously, right. Like the, the, what happens before a human becomes a human and the, what happens after a human dies, like, of course, of course that's spiritual and religious. Right. But it like, it was done so casually that that was actually not even a part that really stuck out to me right 
right? Yeah. Because you know, in my analytical brain, I'm like, oh, oh, what, what if that is how it really works? And what if when I lose focus, it's just some soul from the other plane knocking my, uh, you know, my <laughs> metaphysical spirit, um, you know, out with a sandball? I'm like, oh, That's well, so that would that would help me to take myself off the hook for when I lose focus, at least, right? Oh, well, that gosh. wasn't me. That was just uh 22 and and her ilk uh playing games um what a cute intervention for kiddos who don't understand adhd yes exactly that's right? exactly where i was gonna go yeah because it is it is metaphor is so powerful when it comes to what we do yeah oh i want to use that with a little kiddo <laughs> i don't work with little little ones anymore but yeah um, yeah that's so sweet i love that Right, because that's that's sort of what twenty two is is a little kid that hasn't really experienced anything, even though lots of famous philosophers and, and yeah. people have tried to help her. Yeah, you know, she's just sort of someone that hasn't really lived and doesn't know that she wants to until she has. Yeah, well, she's an old soul in a technically speaking, child, yes, yeah, in a child's earthly existence, right? Like she experiences mm -hmm. the world in a childlike way, but she's in this movie, literally an old soul. Um, well, she's unimpressed. And I think she, she says meh, right. As, uh, as Joe is trying to show her all the different things that she could be into, um, mm -hmm. which is a sentiment, you know, I think, especially for the younger generation right now of like, yeah, sometimes I feel meh about everything too. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people will, might describe that as numb. People might describe that as just like, I don't have any energy. I don't have any motivation. And I think everyone kind of struggles with 22, especially uh, the Jerry's um, and sort of like how to get her to earth, basically how to get her to live mm -hmm. and not just sort of stay in orientation for all time. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. How to find a spark. Yeah. And I think it's, it's yeah. a really interesting character because, you know, 22 does have to a certain extent desires, right? Um, even though, you know, she's presented as this, almost like this blank slate that doesn't, um, doesn't want anything in some ways or wants nothing, I guess maybe is a more specific way of, uh, of putting that. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's a very relatable, uh, sentiment, um, and how 22 obviously evolves over the course of the movie, I think is, is very powerful. Yeah. I think it is a message of hope and, you know, that there are ways for people to experience things even when they think they can't or think they don't want to. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And I think your mention of the grounding exercises, right? The five senses is meaningful here because 22 doesn't appreciate pizza and doesn't appreciate those things until she can taste it, until she can yes. smell it. And that using those senses to connect with your world. Yeah, it's a it's a good note for us to to leave on because I think, yeah. um, especially now as we go into to nicer weather and people can hopefully continue to safely venture out into the world, um, uh -huh. that we that we take advantage of those opportunities, that we not let those things go for granted, and yeah. you know we don't just it's not just living, it's you know it's it's taking advantage of the things that are out there beyond our even even smaller than our passions, right? Just stuff we can find every day. Yeah. So Haley, you said you wanted to review uh, Soul from a mental health perspective, and I think that yes. now would probably be a good time to do that. Let's do our reviews. Excellent. So on a scale from one to five barbershop 
suckers. Nice. I give it a 4.8 in terms of the human struggle for identity and the human desire for fulfillment and Mm. how you can feel lost and empty and confused and in 22's case scared by the grandness of that or the one you know if it transforms into a goal that feels unachievable how you can get lost in that I thought that it was that human search right search for meaning I think was portrayed very beautifully it lost 0.2 because that poor character Paul got pulled into the soulless dimension and then just placed back on earth and left in an alleyway. (laughs) And that poor man had a near-death experience and extreme PTSD and they just left him. Um, (laughs) But as a a hypothetical explanation for near-death experiences, it's a fascinating... (laughs) Oh, it's just just Terry just trying to look for a a lost soul. No big deal. Oh my god! I like that poor character. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so it lost points for that poor guy. Um, <laughs> but for the rest of it, I feel like the search for meaning was pretty, um, pretty high. Wonderful. Well, um, on a scale of uh, zero to five half-eaten donated bagels, <laughs> which I, I also was a. a scene that I loved just sort of 22 just really fully living life and seeing people give money to the busker on the subways you know here this is what I have in my pocket is a half-eaten bagel Uh also gave me a craving for New York bagels (laughs) so it's not my most favorite Pixar movie ever um, but it's definitely in the top five now which I think is saying a lot because I really love almost all the Pixar movies so with that I give it like a 4.9 for entertainment okay. value. I love this movie. I'm so glad that, you know, and we've been talking, we've, we've done a fair amount of Disney movies now. We're, we're happy with the direction that they're taking and, and being willing to portray issues like lost souls or actually maybe metaphors uh-huh. for depression and anxiety, uh-huh. you know, things like that. So, so well done um, to Disney and Pixar. Um, yeah. And yeah, I really enjoyed this movie and I hope we get more stuff like it. Yeah, I completely agree there. Pixar especially is doing a great job. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, all right, so Haley. So with that, I know we've had some good recent episodes be published, and I know we've got some mm-hmm. exciting ones coming up, but we definitely want to yeah. hear from our audience too. If you have shows or movies you want us to cover, please reach out. We've had a number of um, people reach out via Twitter and Facebook. So Yeah, you know, and please, Instagram. Please do so, yep. Yeah, thank you so much to everybody who's reaching out. We had people reach out from Brazil and like all over the United States. So please follow us um, at PopPsych101. We love hearing from you. We love your comments. We love your engagement. Also, please rate and review and subscribe. Those are huge for um, for us as a little budgeting um, podcast. Yeah, and upcoming we have Bridgerton crossover with another podcast that we're excited to share with you guys. Yes, so look out for that. And if you haven't already heard our episodes on Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, or Memento, we've covered a lot of really cool things recently. So definitely check those episodes out as well. 
Yeah. Well, Haley, another uh, fascinating conversation as always. So to you and to the listeners, thank you guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.